Hello, everyone. This is Bola, founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. So my guest today is Tess Wicks, and on this episode, we talked about how to price your products and your services as a new business owner and the money mindset you should have as a business owner slash entrepreneur. So this episode is for um, all of our Clever Girl entrepreneurs, whether you are an aspiring entrepreneur, you just started your business, or you are a tenured business owner, there is a wealth of information that you're going to learn from this podcast episode. And Tess is a wealth and mindset coach for online entrepreneurs. And through her podcast and online platform called Wander Wealthy, Tess helps her clients identify their income goals overcome major money mindset blocks and implement her easy profit system to manage the money in their business and personal life with ease. So on this episode of the podcast, we talked about a bunch of different things. We talked about her personal story and how she moved from being an actuary with a large corporation to helping businesses with their finances and running her own business now from Italy. We talked about the importance of creating a plan for your personal finances and your business finances separately, where to start with pricing your products and services, which is a question I get asked all the time. We talked about that. We talked about how to raise your prices when you get into the flow of, okay, you know, I figured out how to price. Now, what do I do to raise my prices? Um, And we also talked about the mindset needed to have a successful business and the practices that you can implement to develop your mindset. So this is one of those episodes. Well, every episode I say you want to listen to it, but this is an episode that if you're in that space, that you're trying to figure out, you know, your business pricing, your business mindset, focusing on growth, then you want to tune into this one. But before we get into the episode, if you haven't stopped by Clever Girl Finance in a while, stop by. We have a ton of amazing courses. And now that it is September and we're heading into Q4 and... um, the end of the year, this is a great time to take on a savings challenge. And we have a savings challenge course bundle that consists of six different savings challenges that you can basically get into and start working on starting today um, to help you achieve your financial goals between now and the end of the year. So stop by clevergirlfinance.com to learn about the savings challenge bundle and also our other courses. And as a member of Clever Girl Finance, you also get access to our amazing mentors. So you can schedule time with them to talk with them about what you're going through and to get the motivation and support that you need as you work on achieving your financial goals. If you haven't already subscribed to this podcast yet and you have been listening and you love what you're listening to, head over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe, tell your friends about it. And if you're loving, loving, loving the podcast, which I hope you do, head over to iTunes and leave a review. So now let's get into this episode with Tess. Hi, Tess. Welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. Bola, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, and I'm excited to have you come on to talk about a topic that I get asked about a lot, but we haven't yet covered on the podcast or not in like a a focused capacity like this. And that is how to price your services as a new business owner and also how to cultivate the right mindset around building a successful business, right? So um, before we kind of dive into all of that good stuff, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to everyone listening and tell us who you are and what you do. Cool. So my name is Tess Wicks. I am a wealth and mindset coach for online service-based business owners. I 
work with mostly women and I've worked with women in their personal finances, but also a lot of those who are, um, like I said, online service-based business owners. I've been going through a little bit of a transition lately. So I dabble in both, um, but that's kind of the, the next step for me is really expanding to those who are entrepreneurs to help them see the importance of managing not only their business finances, but also their personal finances. So we work on both ends. And then I love to bring the practical and systems and integrate that with the magic of mindset work. Cause I think it's so important to have your mind cleaned up even before you really, you know, find, see that success, uh, whether it's business success or just financial success in your personal life, because otherwise you can have the best tools and strategies, but not know how to use them or not be motivated to use them or not feel like you are worthy of using them. And so we really blend the two together to make sure that you get the best results. That's awesome. And mindset is, is also, you know, really key because you also need it to be able to get over the difficult humps or periods when you need to figure stuff out and you're not quite there, but then you kind of have to cultivate your your headspace to help you get through that period of time to get you to where you're trying to go. Yeah, and, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, you help other entrepreneurs and business owners kind of like adjust their mindsets, plan out their personal slash business finances. And this is something that you had to do yourself moving from the States to Italy, establishing yourself over there, you know, figuring out your finances and all of that with your personal life and your business. So I'd love for you, um, before we get into like pricing and things like that, just share a bit more about your personal story. Um, how did you get to the point where you've been able to move abroad, um, living, you know, one of your dreams out and still growing an amazing business? Oh, Wow. Okay. So I um, started my career, not in entrepreneurship, um, but I started it out in Chicago working in consulting. And so that was kind of my home base before I moved over to Italy. And I had left my consulting gig, you know, wanting to just build this entrepreneurial empire, so to speak. And I didn't have a lot of clue what I was going to do, but I just knew I needed to do more than working with massive corporations, helping them figure out how to save money on their retirement plans. I was an actuary. So (laughs) I had a lot of um, conversations about death and mortality, but I really needed to get out of that. So I, I quit my job and I had been doing some work with, um, some agencies, a a content marketing agency specifically. And I didn't think like I could write or do anything in the creative realm. I was just like, all I know how to do is use spreadsheets. Um, And that was really good for me to get that kind of exposure and, and to see that like, I'm not just an actuary and that doesn't define me, even though that was like my schooling and my identity for so many years. And while I was kind of exploring this new world of being able to do other things, I also, you know, wanted to still have my own thing and really wanted to make an impact on a a specific topic that I was interested in, which was personal finance and specifically helping women um, build that and develop financial literacy. Because I knew if I had questions and I had this background of finance and, and being super nerdy and talking to my actuary friends about how to maximize our Roth IRAs, uh, other people would probably and should probably and do probably have questions about it. So I started a podcast and I built my business and I started coaching. And then I really started to 
realize as I was kind of maturing into being this entrepreneur and this online coach and having peers and kind of realizing like, oh, there's this other level and this, this thing that happens on top of just like managing my personal finances and it's running a business and also now taking care of business finances and how they kind of feed into each other and feed off of each other. And there weren't a lot of people out there helping the, this specific niche group of people, which is entrepreneurs who didn't get personal finance education and now need to run a business and manage their business finances as well. So I've been making that kind of step and pivot into working with, you know, basically people like me. And I really felt like that's the, that was the natural direction to go because, um, how I ended up in Italy was really, I just ended up here for love for being (laughs) honest. Um, I met my fiance through doing just kind of like random side gigs because I think it's important to have multiple streams of income, especially when you're on your own and you're in charge of making your own money is like, you know, diversifying. And so I was doing this like random thing that I do a couple times a year working at a trade show when I was in Spain, met my fiance, we dated for a year long distance and I got to go back and forth quite a bit. And then I had to officially move over here because I have the luxury of being able to do that. And he, he doesn't. So in terms of the way that it, it, I had to, you know, structure my business, it wasn't, And I still haven't really had to make a big shift because I'm not technically a resident in Italy yet. Um, That's still something that honestly, I'm still trying to figure out. And I think the world is still trying to figure out how to manage digital nomads, so to speak, because technically I don't have to be a resident here. I can kind of live wherever. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's still evolving, so to speak. But I would say that you know, what I really had did in order to set myself up to make this move was to make sure that my business was set up and the systems that I had set up within my business in a way that I could pay myself a salary and save for taxes and at least the taxes I knew I needed to pay back in the US Mm -hmm. um, and manage my business finances and, you know, be able to run a thriving business. And I think where most people fall short and where most of my clients fall short is just like, everything's kind of in one pot and they have no idea how much to pay themselves yeah. and they take the, they take money out, you know, just as they need it or when they think they can, um, or they never take money out. And that's for some reason, this big humble brag, which I don't understand. Um, and it's, it was really important for me to have a system and something established and something that's sustainable that I could live off of because kind of the rest of my life, you know, up until, six months ago when I got engaged was like, I don't know where I'm going to end up being and I don't know how I'm going to do this. Um, so I needed at least the the foundation of my business really put in place, which was that financial aspect. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what allowed you to easily move, even though you move for love, which is amazing. So congratulations. <laughs> but, you know, having your finances in order is what allowed you to minimize the stress to be able to move, right? And yeah. you, you talked about you know, like just different scenarios in which people just have issues when they they don't have a strategy or plan with their business finances versus their personal finances. And even things like just being able to determine like, okay, what is it going to take me to break even? How do I know um, when I hit profitability? It's really hard to do that when you are like like co-mingling everything and you don't really have a clear like plan for your business finances. And in a way, you know, it's almost like you're not taking your business seriously enough. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people will tell me, well, I'm still trying to figure out my personal finances. How can I figure out my business finances? Like it's totally possible to figure them both out 
at the same time if you have a plan for each. Um, you will find it even much more difficult to figure it out when they're like jumbled, mumbo jumbled like that. And then you'll wonder like why you're just not making any progress. You think your business is doing well, but you're not sure. You can't really confirm. You don't know what's going wrong. And there's just like so many things. So I'm excited to kind of talk more about that with you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's super important to even just like at least separate the two and you can start like with the first step and then take the next step. And it might feel like this big beast to get a hold of, but but they they so they're so connected they feed into each other so much that it is super important to kind of tackle them both at the same time especially if you're like I don't have any of it figured out so one of the big questions i get from listeners who are entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs is I have this product, this service, this thing I want to sell or I am selling. And it's either I don't know where to start with pricing my product or service, or I'm not sure if I have priced my product and service correctly. I just picked a random price, but I don't really feel that great about it. Um, What are some tips or strategies that someone who is asking these questions can use to make sure that they're pricing their products and services in a way that, you know, makes them, that, that makes sense for them and also makes them feel good about what they're getting back for what they're selling. Mm. Oh, that's a, that's a good question. And there's a couple different answers kind of intertwined. There are two big things to focus on, which is like what makes sense, but also what feels good. Um, the first thing is like, there are things that, can be free. But if you have a product and a service that you're trying to sell, then free is not the answer. So always remember that. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I know, especially when you're getting started, it's hard to be like, well, I don't have, I don't have the testimonials. I don't have, you know, I don't have the, as many people signing on. So I'm just going to give it away for free or for su- super deeply discounted. And that's not going to help you run a business. That's just, you know, then you're just kind of being a charity and that's mm-hmm. okay. But if your goal is to build a business, as you had said, like taking it seriously and not having it be what, you know, we all say, like, are you, do you have an expensive hobby or a business? It's to obviously put a price on there. I think people kind of confuse what it means to offer a product or service for free, right? So I guess we can talk about that a little bit because you'll go to like platforms and they'll have like a free trial or a free month, but those free opportunities are always you know, an, an option for you to try out their main product, their core offering to upsell you to a paying product. So it's not just free to be free. It's free with an intent that they know that a percentage of these people who test this thing out for a fixed amount of time, you know, some days, some weeks, or like one segment of the product that's free could potentially become paying subscribers. So, yeah, I think (laughs) it's really important to remember to your point exactly is it's always has a strategy behind it. There's always some sort of strategy to get people to buy something else. And a big mistake I see a lot of people and and clients that I work with make is they want to create the free thing first. And I always say, Uh never create that. Always create the thing that you're going to charge for first. And then you can distill it down to some version that's going to get them like 
(laughs) for lack of a better term or phrase, is like a quick hit and be like, yay, that was great. And that can be the free thing, but it always has to be the strategy to build up to that next thing. And you always need to work backwards. So Mm. that, that first thing, that product, that service that you're putting out there, that should never be the free thing. You know, you, you have something that, that leads up to that, that is the free thing. Yes, exactly. So the next thing is like, okay, so, okay, we're not going to charge for free. So what do we charge? And I, I like to, you know, this can be really hard when you're starting out. I totally understand, you know, I've, I've even been there. Um, but one really important thing is to sit down and do the numbers because imagine like, you know, think of a, a show like Shark Tank. If you are trying to be a business, then you're probably like, you don't obviously have to take on investors. By no means does anyone have to take on investors and that's probably not the expectation. But as a business owner, it is in your best interest and the best interest of your employees and of your customers to have profit, to cover your costs, to be able to you know grow your business in a sustainable way. And in order to do that, you need to consider all the costs involved to run your business and that needs to be considered in your pricing. And it can be, again, hard when you're starting out, but just sit down and go, okay, what's it going to cost me to create this product or to deliver this service? You know, you'll, and if you're an online business owner, you're going to have like, maybe you pay for Zoom or maybe you pay for, um, a MailChimp or some other email marketing subscription. Maybe you pay for bookkeeping. Maybe you hire a virtual assistant to help you and pay them a hundred bucks a month even. Uh, and then you also want to consider like the fact that you need to make some money from your business. And so there's the business expenses that you can go through and tally up. What are the the expenses that are really bringing me the results? And then if there's business expenses that aren't bringing you results that aren't bringing in money, that's where we'd want to maybe like reconsider those. Um, But we have those. And then you can also tally up and I have my clients this is how we set goals actually, is we go, okay, let's just think of your, your personal finances. What do you need? Like, what do you need from your business just to live the baseline life that you want? And for some people, they have partners or parents who are supporting them, or maybe they have a full-time job that's supporting them. So they don't really know like, well, how much should I be able to make from my business? And I just say, pick the first thing that you want to be able to contribute to from your business. Like pick that one thing that you want your business cover. Maybe you want your business to cover half of the rent and then an extra hundred or 200 bucks for just spending money. And then your full-time job covers the rest or your partner covers the rest or however that looks. But you know, define what it, at least the the minimum of what you need. And then you can start building it into like what you would like to have and ultimately what you ultimately dream of. So for me, it's like, I want to be able to pay myself a wage that allows me to pay this mortgage and pay the second mortgage for a vacation home and to retire my partner and to be able to do all this stuff. Or actually I want to hire my partner because I feel like he'd be great. Um, So I'm like, I'm including this in all of my my finances. And this is a very like drawn out, blown out, very detailed thing that I go through with my clients. But you can kind of do this on a smaller level and just go, okay, what are some of the basic things I want my business to cover? And there is one piece of the puzzle that you have to include in your overall revenue goal for the year, along with all those business expenses, and then also considering taxes and profit. And well, I think you've written a blog post about profit first before, and this is kind of like the basic... Mm -hmm profit first equation. Um, But that's kind of how you really need to think about your business. 
the money that your business makes has to cover these four main things. The business expenses, you as an employee of your business, because you most likely are if you're just starting out. Taxes, because quite frankly, that's not your money. And your business needs to be profitable because it needs an emergency fund. And by golly, it should give you a little bit of profit every once in a while because you're taking this big risk and doing all this work to run your business. So when you start putting in those numbers and then defining this revenue goal, then you can break down that revenue goal, whether you're a service-based business or you're offering a product and you want to start kind of just projecting how much could I sell and what, what would be realistic and then what would I need to price this product. That's one aspect to get at your pricing. And then of course, you can take that to the market and look at what it looks like from a competitive level, as well as testing it out with your clientele and your ideal clientele and see what you know what they're going to grasp. Now, that's like the very practical numbers, like what do you need aspect. Mm-hmm. And then I said, there's also the aspect of like, what what would feel good to you and this is the other part where you know maybe your competition is charging way less but you need on one side you need to charge this amount because that's where you can come to the table with and the other side of like what's going to feel good is also if you have to charge way less then you're going to have to take on more or push yourself more and maybe that's not what you want to do. And if people are going to pay you at a lower rate because you can't get them to pay, you know, double that or even 50% more, which is what you ultimately need on that one side, it's also not going to feel good. You're going to feel resentful towards the fact that you're putting in all this work and getting way less than what you really need to be able to maintain. So finding kind of that happy medium too and and realizing a lot of times what feels good that's where the mindset stuff comes in because we're we tend to we know what we need and then we'll undercut ourselves because we don't believe we deserve that or because we don't know if the market will take that and then you know if you do undercut yourself and you start working with some people you might not enjoy that because you might feel resentful or you might not you know you just might not it might not be the right people and that then it's not a good fit anyway So there's a number of things that um, you said that I want to revisit because I think they're really, really important before we get into the mindset part of things. So one of the, you know, things you said initially was um, when you are laying out how to price your products and services, right? It's being able to not just say, this is what it costs me to make the product and this is the cost of the raw materials, but also including everything that is involved in delivering that product or that service from the cost of the Zoom call, the phone call, the, you know, the delivery chart, whatever it is that builds into you from beginning to delivery of service, you want to include all those costs. And I think something that, you know, people make the mistake of doing when they are creating their prices for their products and services is that they say, okay, well, I'm creating a pen. So this is how much it costs to create the cap. This is how much it costs to create the ink. And that's the the price I'm going to, you know, that's how I'm going to base my pricing. But there was the design, there was the, you know, the packaging, there is the, 
transportation from your, I don't know, your shop to your customer's mailbox. There's all these little things that factor into you being able to develop this product or service that you want to make sure that you're building into the cost, including the value of your time, right? Like you are mm-hmm. working for it. So that's something to keep in mind. And sometimes it's hard to quantify these, but at the end of the day, you want to make sure that as you're developing your products and services, you're able to list out everything that goes into it so that you can try to get a sense of what it's truly costing you from a resource, financial and time perspective. So that's, I just wanted to highlight that because you, you kind of like you said it as part of like a lot of things. And I want people to remember that that's really important. So if you have to rewind <laughs> to go back to what Tess said about that, definitely do that. Then yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing they talked about was like your competition's price. And if, you know, like if you've come up with your own pricing and then you find that your competition's price is much lower um, and assessing how to continue to compete or deal with that. Um, I think it's also like, you know, when you're thinking about competition, right, um, especially in with products and services that may be common or popular, the one thing that somebody has that's an advantage, right, is their uniqueness and their, I guess, I don't know, it's the uniqueness or the, the packaging or the message they can create around the product and mm-hmm. or service, right? So it's the same way you can buy a, I don't know, I'm trying to think of some really good... Um, like a designer purse versus yeah, a yeah, purse from Target. Exactly. <laughs> Both say, serve the same function. <laughs> but then, you know, when there is a brand story differentiation, there's a workmanship differentiation, there's all these differentiations that allow each of them to compete in the same space, but on different lanes and hold their pricing. So you want to like, you know, when you have competition, yes, you want to be mindful of them, but you also want to keep in mind that, okay, well, wait a minute, you know, this, you know, am I Chanel competing with Target or am I Chanel competing with Louis Vuitton? You want to keep that in your mind. And I also love that you pose the question of, what is it that you want your business to do for you? What is the life that you want to be able to build out of this business? Because a lot of times, I think as women, many times we will short sell ourselves, right? Oh, you, you put so much effort into creating this product and service. And yes, it might just be a side thing for right now. Maybe it's a side thing forever and that's fine. But you put so much effort into creating this product or service and you just hope, you know, we, we do a lot of hoping. I just hope that it can it can earn me enough just to pay my phone bill. But I think that we, it's okay to allow ourselves to drink, to dream bigger, to think bigger, to plan bigger, right? Because if you have this product and service that people are paying for, why can't it be the thing that is able to do more than just pay your phone bill? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that you pose a question about really getting clear of clear about what you want your business to do to do for you. Um, and that kind of leads me into <laughs> mindset question I have, because a lot of that um, ties into a lot of limitations. A lot of people have with business ties into the way they're thinking about it. And as a result of how they're thinking about it, the way they're acting, mm-hmm. you know, which leads to either really amazing results or like just really not so great results. So as you deal with your clients and you you kind of break down like the factual stuff, like here is the financial piece that you need to work on for your personal and your business finances. Here is the pricing thing you need to keep in mind. Here are all the things you should be considering. You give them like this, like, you know, very practical thing that they can, 
you know, just with time, all of us can do that, right? But then there's a more challenging piece, which is like getting someone to change the way they're thinking about being successful in business. Mm -hmm. So what are some practices that people can, people listening that we can all implement as we are building our businesses, whether whatever stage we're in, to begin to embrace the fact that we can build something incredibly successful um, based on our own terms or what we can, what based on our wildest imaginations, essentially. Yeah. So I ha- there's tons of wonderful money mindset practices and exercises that you can do. And the one that really I personally love, and there's a couple different ones that fall under this category, but it's with embodying a new identity. And so if you're, especially if you're like up against a wall and you're really struggling to see yourself as successful or you're struggling to make the income you want, or you're not you don't even feel like you're ready yet to put yourself out there in business. Like maybe you've developed it, maybe you've done all the ideas, but you're not ready to like show up and sell. And you're really fearful about, you know, what might evolve. The lack of being able to essentially reach these goals is happening because we're acting from the identity that we've been Hmm. holding on to for the past, however many years. And, you know, there's, lots that goes behind this. We have our subconscious mind and then our conscious mind and our subconscious mind. There's such deep rooted beliefs that we've held on to since we were children. And so you can go all the way back to childhood and even beyond if you want to get super woo woo, but you can go all the way back to childhood and understand what's like, what might be holding you back because you're taking vows of loyalty or rebellion towards your family and or the community that you grew up in. But if you want to start like going into the future and going, okay, how can I just start doing some work to change this? Obviously, the first thing you want to do is start becoming aware about what is holding you back. But if we want to start talking about future-oriented, you can think about, okay, obviously, what I've been identifying as so far is not getting me to where I want to be. And so what we can do to start even reprogramming subconsciously how we believe the way that we are, who we are. And that obviously leads to the how we feel, which leads to the actions that we take in our day-to-day life, which ultimately lends to our results. If we believe who we've been and we're using history to try to shape our future, we're going to have a really hard time. And so you can do different activities and exercises like visualization or setting goals as if you've already achieved them. So like writing down your goals on a daily basis as if you've already achieved them. Because what you essentially do when you visualize and you know whether you want to do a guided visualization or I did a journaling one this morning of five years in the future, this is what I'm doing. This is how I feel. This is how I make decisions. This is um, you know where I am in my life and my business. And you start writing from that place, or you start visualizing from that place, or you start setting goals from that place. What you do is your subconscious mind can't tell what's real and what's what's false. Basically, whatever you tell it, it believes because it takes everything literally. And so you're basically reprogramming yourself into this new future you, the person you want to be identity. And it sounds like how in the heck is that supposed to happen? Some magic voodoo stuff. But in reality, you're allowing your brain to believe that you are the type of person that makes these types of decisions. 
which you would never do because you holding on to your old identity is going to make the decisions that probably will sabotage you because you don't have the belief that you really deserve to be that successful or you don't have the belief that you can you know, buy that luxury bag because your parents would judge you if you actually did that. Um, or whatever those, you know, we have a lot of limiting beliefs when it comes to money around how we spend money. If we are even able to save money, if we're ever able to get out of debt. That's all the self-doubt. Yeah. And if we're ever, you know, deserving of making more money. And so by casting yourself into the future and really grasping into this new identity and, you know, I know it could sound crazy, but you have nothing to lose. So might as well try it out because it is really fun to like visualize yourself as a successful business owner, whatever you want to be. And then start recognizing because what happens is you start paying attention to the opportunities that come up and feeling more confident and able to say yes to those opportunities instead of going, oh, I'm not quite there yet. I'm not ready for something like that. Or you start making decisions, like whether it's to purchase something or invest in something with that sort of, you know, my mentality and whether it's thoroughness or just, you know, seeing certain things and seeing those opportunities and making decisions from that mindset as opposed to the identity that you've been holding on to that has gotten you to this point. So I hope that's not too like woo-woo mindset and it, it, it helps draw the line between, okay, I can see how that could be possible. Oh my God, I, I, that makes, I, I love the way you broke it down. And, you know, essentially what you said is don't leverage, don't take your past to build your future. Instead, take what you want for your future to build your future, right? Yeah. Um, and so many of us hold on to limiting beliefs. We all have them. I have them. I have worked through many. I, you know, new ones will come up when you work, work through old ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that is a constant battle of imposter syndrome slash self-doubt slash input from other people slash you know, when things don't go according to plan, it's like all these things compounded to kind of make you doubt your ability to succeed, not just in business, you know, we're talking about business here, but just in life with your finances, with anything, with relationships. And I just love the breakdown of how you said we all have these identities, but not allowing those identities that we have established over time or years to be the thing that doesn't allow us to you know, like open our minds to what we could potentially do. So what are some specific things you do? You talked about um, journaling, meditation, but you alluded to those things. But are there like other things that you've done to kind of get your head in the game every day, every week, every month. Like, what's your what's your schedule like? <laughs> I'm like, girl, I've been around the block with these money mindset exercises. Um, so I I like to do things that feel really good and abundant for me. And so sometimes I do things and I'm like, I don't like that. I don't want to do that again. And it's like, you got to enjoy it. Um, and so I've I've dabbled with a lot of different kind of forms of exercise. And I've even blended things to work really well for me. I actually just did a whole live in this special workshop that I'm hosting. So I have it listed out right with me here. Um, So the first thing, you know, meditation is one that's become very 
well known because all of the most successful people are starting to attribute a lot of their success to like, oh, if you want to know something that I do on a daily basis, it's meditation. And that can be really great. Um, Meditation helps you understand what's happening on a subconscious level because it quiets your conscious mind. And so it can be easy to start identifying like, what is that, you know, negative self-talk that's coming up or, or what am I thinking? How am I thinking about this right now? Because most of us just aren't even aware the thoughts that we're thinking. Um, And what's really interesting, I'm going through a certification process right now and they say 95% of our thoughts are repeated from like the day before, from the past. So 95% of our thoughts are repeated and 80% of our thoughts are negative. So we really have to do a lot of work to start reframing our thoughts and, and having more positive abundant focused thoughts instead of, you know, grasping onto some of these like worries and fears and self-doubt that we, so it's normal for us because our brain is wired to keep us safe. And so of course it's going to think that we're always going to die if we do anything that threatens our existence. So we got to work on it. And it's like you said, it's a, it's kind of a constant process. It's not like, oh, this is constant and so hard to do, but you'll just realize when you start busting certain limiting beliefs, other things will just unfold because you're kind of getting to that next level. And then you just have to kind of keep overcoming and climbing, but it gets easier to do it as you practice it. So some of the things that I do, meditation, um, I, I, used to do that a lot. I've kind of gone into doing some other things because I like to dabble and I like to spend, you know, three to six months really focusing on something that works for me. And then I like to mix it up um, just to keep my, my brain, you know, on its toes. If your brain could have toes. Um, (laughs) So meditation, visualization. um, I love doing my girlfriend, Cassandra Bodzak has a visualization on YouTube. It's super old, but her voice is so special and it's a guided rock star. I don't know if it's a meditation or visualization, but the practice is a a visualization and you just have to sit there. It's 10 minutes. You can sit there and you can just like visualize yourself as the highest, you know, potential being of yourself. And it's awesome. And I always feel good after doing that. Um, So that's one I've done in the past. Daily affirmations. And like, you know, this is like a sentence, maybe a long sentence of you know, what you, what you aspire to be and who you are in the future and writing that down 15 times a day on a daily basis, just to embody that, um, gratitude practice and gratitude in a little bit different way. I think, you know, I used to practice gratitude and be like, Oh, I'm tired. I don't want to think about it. So I'm grateful for this coffee and I'm grateful for, you know, obviously my parents and my house. Um, but I've kind of switched things up and say that practicing gratitude you know, especially if you want to work on money mindset, practice gratitude for something really awesome that you're really proud of that you bought with your money, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not even gonna call it harder in cash. Cause then we think that cash can only be earned when it's hard. It's hard. So with your <laughs> money, money that you made easily, and now you bought this thing. So like my most recent one is my iPhone. I bought my iPhone with my profit distribution from my business and I'm super proud of it. And I'm writing it down. But then also write down things you're grateful for that you haven't gotten yet, but as if you've already achieved them. And this, you know, gets a little energetic woo-woo, but the energy of gratitude happens when it's, you already have it. It's like, I already have this energy. And so the universe delivers to you as who you are. So if you can practice again, you know, being the 
embodying the identity of someone who already has these things that can pop into your life so much easier. And I love Um, that. I'm a huge fan of affirmations. I talk about that in my book. I talk about it on the podcast all the time. Um, You know, saying, I believe that there's power in, you know, your thoughts and also the words that come out of your mouth. Um, And I'm just really big on affirmations and even gratitude as well. I do a lot of gratitude journaling and I, it also helps to drive, especially, you know, like, it helps to bring the things that you want, but it also helps to drive contentment, especially when you're feeling like because of your your business is not growing or because of your debt or because of these different things, you're not at a certain level. Having that gratitude to reflect back on reminds you how far you've come. Right. You like contentment. And yeah, so I, I love those two things. I, I also save a ton of verses from my Bible of things, you know, that motivate me and empower me and remind me of who I'm going to be or who I, who I'm going to become. Um, so those are all really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I really just like to, you know, I think the best thing to do is to personalize this for yourself and make it exactly you yes. enjoy. Like I know someone. Not sure. That's so- right. <laughs> right. I interviewed a girl and she was like, oh yeah, I recorded my I don't, they were like, after, it was kind of like a longer affirmation, more like a visualization, but she recorded it on her phone. And then that's something she listens to every morning. And the important thing to do is when you work on this stuff, you really want to work on it on a subconscious level. And you're most in like your hypnotic state, if you want to say that getting into the subconscious in the morning, right out of bed and at night, like right when you're going to sleep. And what a better way to infuse your day with something positive and uplifting. And you don't even have to pay attention to it. You can just listen to it and let it go into your subconscious mind because your subconscious mind is always listening. And you can do that. And that's so much better than picking up your phone and scrolling through Instagram and, you know... Immediately, <laughs> your conscious brain is probably going to, oh, she is like yourself. happy and purse. And why can't I be like that? She looks like she's doing so well in her business and her family is perfect and so put together and they never cry. Her kids, what? Like, <laughs> obviously that's not reality. <laughs> yeah. So don't infuse your life with, and I mean, come on, I fall victim to this all the time. I put myself in that position all the time. And I really have to practice on not, you know, avoiding the indulgences and instead doing the things that make me feel good. And I know they make me feel good and not going to the easy reach, right? So it's not always easy, but at least make it enjoyable. And you're basically the most susceptible right away in the morning. So might as well infuse your your subconscious and your conscious mind if it's awake with these positive affirmations or this visualization or gratitude or, you know, another one I do is like future paced goals, goals as if you've already achieved them. Um, and really, you know, just set yourself up for that every day. And you probably won't know, maybe you will, but like the shift will also happen over time. So just, you know, commit to a routine that feels good and that you've personalized for yourself. Yeah, these have been some really great, great tips, um, Tess. And I'm sure that, you know, ladies who are listening are kind of like turning, not just, okay, turning in their minds, okay, I'm going to go figure out my pricing, but at the same time, I'm going to make, you know, set up my headspace so that I'm able to, you know, bring forth 
these things I want to myself and for my business. Um, So, you know, you talked about Profit First, um, which is a really popular book. So for those of you who don't know what Profit First is, it's a really popular business book. I will put the link in the show notes. And it basically just talks to you about how to structure from a very simple perspective, your business finances. And it's great if you're a self um, proprietorship or an LLC um, to check out that book. So that's awesome. But what other um, business books are you, um, do you enjoy or recommend or have you enjoyed reading or would recommend to other people? Yeah. So I, I like to recommend profit first. I think it's such a good way to implement a system that works really well in your business. The other one, you know, so that's the practical book. If you want to come from the mindset angle, I love the book tapping into wealth by Margaret Lynch. She really helps you understand what some of the blocks you might be facing are, what those limiting beliefs might be. And then she uses emotional freedom technique, EFT for short, and it's tapping. So it's like energy work. And if you're not comfortable with that, you can just journal. She also provides journaling techniques and stuff. And But the point is just to even understand like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that you know, one thing that I had figured out was I had this belief that, and that's why I said the hard-earned cash thing is because I had this belief that I had to work really hard in order to make good money. And it comes from my father and my family and my community that I grew up in. And that's something that I've had to do a lot of work, you know, around because it's not just hard work, like putting in the hours, it's putting in the hours, Mm -hmm. but also sweating and doing like hard labor because that's the the way that my the place where my family came from and so I have something that is the complete opposite from that. I'm podcasting on a laptop from the other side of the world. So it's <laughs> totally different. So I really had to do a lot of work to break that. And so Tapping Into Wealth is a, is a really great book to start understanding, you know, and just like basically becoming woke around what your, your limiting beliefs are when it comes to money. Yeah. And I've, I've also had to adjust my thinking about I have to work so hard to make $1. Um, and I think it's something that is ingrained in a lot of us um if not most of us <laughs> from how we're raised or what we're what we've heard about you know we talk a lot about what it takes to build what you have to sacrifice what you have to give up what people have given up to have this and that like even I'm guilty of doing that and I, can, I think somewhere in our subconscious we kind of bury the idea that it, it's really really hard to make money, save money, pay off debt, you know? And so we have to constantly remind ourselves like, yes, despite, you know, working hard, um, doesn't mean that it's going to be hard for money to come to you. Mm -hmm. So ladies, if you're listening, just keep that in mind. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So Tess, before I let you go, I'd love for you to tell us what is your clever girl superpower? Ooh. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm going to say something so nerdy. It can be anything. It's spreadsheets. Consider your superpower. Okay. (laughs) Um, I have been dubbed the spreadsheet queen by a lot of my workshop attendees and clients. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to embrace it. I came from a factory background. I love data. I love all the keyboard shortcuts and I can make them pretty. So I'll take it. I'm a spreadsheet (laughs) clever girl. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And finally, how how can folks keep in touch with you, learn more about your services and just get to know your brand and business better? 
Yeah. So I am uh, at wanderwealthy.com. Everything is there. I've interviewed Bola on my podcast before, the Wonder Wealthy yes. podcast. I'll link it in here in the show notes as well. <laughs> yeah. And I have everything kind of up and linked there. But um, the one thing, and I had, I had talked about this, and I think this is important for pricing, especially is if you're trying to figure out that equation that I was talking about of like implementing all these different aspects of your business costs and taxes and whatnot. I have a great cheat sheet and it also introduces you to my coaching process. If you go to wanderwealthy.com slash roadmap, you can download that and then that will let you know what, what I have in store for you. Awesome. And I'm just making a note here so I don't forget. So thank you so much, Tess. This has been awesome. I really enjoyed talking to you. And also thank you for having me on your own podcast as well. Yeah, thank you, Bola. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. And congrats on your engagement again. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode with Tess and you gained some insights as to how to best price your products and services, raise your prices, etc. And I hope it inspired you to work on your money mindset, your business mindset as you pursue growing this business so that you can reap the results of your hard work because it takes time, it takes effort, and you have to be in the right mindset to stay the course to build a successful business. So thank you guys so much for listening. And if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, be sure to subscribe anywhere that you listen to to your podcast episodes and head over to iTunes if you are an Apple podcast listener and leave a review of this podcast if you have loved this episode and love what you're listening to. So thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode of the podcast.